Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 14 Knitfis. The river was long behind Dorothy and Mr. Scarecrow now, and presumably even farther behind the Tin Woodman and his lion companion. The entire ordeal put Dorothy and Mr. far off track, so far off track that it seemed like an endless journey just to get back to the road of yellow bricks, or at least to some sign of it anyway. The golden glow of the ring led them through orchards, of which they left the fruit alone, past rivers which were crossed by fallen logs and stepping stones, and through valleys in the rolling plains. Eventually they found themselves back on track. The road of yellow bricks became so prominent once again that Dorothy did not even need the ring to guide her any more. It was a nice break to not have to constantly look for the next sign. The road led the weary travelers to the gates of an unmarked city. Entering just as the last of the sun's rays were replaced by the moon's light, they looked around and noticed there were no real signs of life. Previous villages and towns were lit by lanterns in the windows and along the roads. This place, however, was completely dark. Unlike the last place they were in, where the sounds and stories were carried through the early evening's air, this was silent. The buildings were taller than other places as well. They reached into the sky and looked ominous as they towered over the travelers. Each building's roof came to a sharp narrow point, and the windows were all dark. Their feet echoed with each step on the cobblestone street, which twisted and turned as it branched off every which way, leading them deeper into the city. This was no ordinary place. This was Nitfis. I think this place has been abandoned, said Dorothy, as she cautiously pressed on, looking at the haunting, hopefully empty buildings. I think you're right, said Mr. in response as he looked up at the grimly haunting architecture. No, I guess we have our pick of places to sleep tonight, then, she said nervously still not looking at Mr. The city imbued a strange sense of unease and anxiety on her, and she did not like the thought of staying in it, but she was in dire need of rest. Mr. pointed to a small one-story house at the end of the street. How about that one? Looks good to me, Dorothy said, looking at the same house. It appeared to be the least threatening place in the city. The house, similar to Marvin and Mabel's cottage, was much bigger on the inside than it appeared on the outside. It was one large room, complete with a wood-burning stove in the center, and a small table for a dining area. In the center of the table was a small lantern, which Dorothy promptly lit, using a lighter she had stashed away in her backpack. There was no other furniture in the house, aside from one chair at the table. 
A thick layer of dust covered the floor, and the windows were covered with a film of grime that kept them from looking out into the world. This saddened Mr. Scarecrow to no end. Looks like this place has been empty for a while, said Dorothy as she slid a single finger along the top of the table, leaving a deep, dust-free line on the surface. She rubbed the dust between her forefinger and her thumb, before wiping the rest of it away on the legs of her now dirty pants. She set her backpack down on the table and pulled out her blanket. Before she could unfold it, Mr. stopped her. I'll get this for you. He ripped his left hand off and frayed the straw at the end of his arm into a broom and swept away a large, clean spot on the floor. Dorothy smiled in appreciation and laid her blanket down. Mister sat down on the chair and smiled politely as Dorothy sewed his hand back on. Thanks, mister, she said as she put him back together. Mister, he responded, has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Formal. He smiled, and Dorothy giggled a little bit. There were not a lot of laughs in this world called Oz. There certainly were not a lot of great memories to be made here. So Dorothy took this moment as a piece of much-needed sweet tranquility. Good night, mister, she said with a smile and a small curtsy before turning to her blanket and lying down for the night. Dorothy awoke to the sounds of scratching on the floor. The sounds were like that of a small rodent. She stood up and looked around the dimly lit room. The scratching was becoming louder and louder, closer and closer. She looked around, but there was nothing to see. She walked over to Mr., who was sitting at the table. He was staring at the window, as though he could see through the thick, grimy haze that covered the glass. Do you hear that? she asked, placing a hand on his shoulder. His body was hot to the touch. Mister? Are, are you okay? As she tugged at his shoulder in an attempt to get his attention, he fell backward, revealing a large, charred hole in his chest. No flames, just embers and smoke. She stepped back, placing her hands to her mouth, she tried to scream, but found herself unable to make a sound. The scratching noise became even louder, and the house filled with loud, unintelligible whispers. Dorothy grabbed the backpack and ran to the door. She pulled and pulled, but it would not open. She pushed and pushed, but it would not budge. Suddenly, the door swung inward, causing Dorothy to step back in terror. A large, burly man entered his face covered with a large beard and a full head of scruffy hair. He looked like a lumberjack. He even held an axe in one hand. He was wearing a large red plaid shirt, with sleeves rolled up to his elbows, exposing large, brawny, hairy arms. He was a grimy man, covered in dust, dirt, and oil from whatever piece of machinery he had been working on that afternoon. He pulled a dirty white handkerchief from a pocket located on the right side of his shirt and wiped oily, greasy sweat from his forehead before it could trickle down into his dark green eyes. He smiled at Dorothy. <laughs> Uncle Henry? she cried. 
Is it really you? She stepped to him and wrapped her arms around him, an embrace that felt both familiar and real. Tears streamed from her eyes. I thought, I thought I would never see you again. Whoa, said Henry with a light chuckle. <laughs> you act like I've been off in some far-off place. I was just outside chopping wood. A weatherman claims there's a cold front coming in, and it might be a good idea to have a fire going. He chuckled some more as he kindly reached his arms around her and patted her on the back before breaking free of her grasp. He gently kissed her forehead and walked into the house. Dorothy watched as he walked to the table. A portly middle-aged woman stood there now. She was setting plates down with silverware and there were now three chairs sitting around the table, which had a large ham sitting in the center of it. Aunt M! Dorothy exclaimed as she ran to give her the same hug she gave Uncle Henry. I can't believe you're here! Or I'm here! Or we are here! What are you talking about, child? asked M with a laugh as she broke free of her niece's loving grip. She swatted Henry's hand as he tried to steal a piece of ham. He pulled his hand away and rubbed it as he looked at M. She shot him a look of sheer disdain and contempt, a look Dorothy had never seen her make before, a look she did not even think M was capable of. Henry returned the glare. Dorothy stepped back, and before she could ask what was going on, M raised a knife from the table and jammed it into the side of Henry's neck. His eyes widened as he attempted to gasp for air, his tongue making thick, gurgly, clucking sounds as his mouth filled with blood. "'Jesus Christ, Em!' screamed Dorothy as Henry began to convulse. She watched as he slammed his hand on the table, trying to hold himself up. Em pulled the knife out, never breaking eye contact with Dorothy, even as the blood began to gush and her husband fell to the floor dead. M just sighed and looked down at Henry, who was still twitching a little. <sighs> we always hated each other, she said, turning her gaze back to Dorothy. Almost as much as we hated you. Tears flowed from Dorothy's eyes as she tried to comprehend what she was seeing and hearing. She tried to step back as M began to slowly walk toward her, but was unable to. She looked down at her feet, only to see that she was being held in place by what appeared to be tree-like roots growing through the floorboards. She looked back at M, still walking slowly toward her, the knife in her hand dripping, each drop hitting the floor with a loud tap. M moved in close, her nose almost touching Dorothy's. We have always hated you the most. Her breath was pungent and putrid, that of rotting flesh. Dorothy fought hard not to inhale and looked away. M stepped back and placed the knife to her own neck. Pressing the blade firmly against it, she slid it from one side to the other, starting almost behind her head and finishing almost behind her head, 
The blood did not spray out like Dorothy had imagined from countless horror movies or video games. Instead, it flowed out in a smooth but quick gush, like a gentle waterfall. M continued to look at Dorothy, even as her own hands began to twitch, maintaining eye contact, even as her body convulsed like Henry's as she fell to the ground. Dorothy tried to scream, but was once again unable to. She was literally speechless. The roots let go and the floor gave way as Dorothy fell into the black abyss. After what felt like minutes of falling in darkness, she landed in a dimly lit cave. The fall would almost certainly have killed her had it not been broken by a lake of thick black sludge. There was no source of light that she could see, but that was the least of her worries. She lifted a hand to her face to get a better look at what she was sitting in. It was oily and sticky. The air was the same. It was the same stench that came from M's mouth just before her suicide. She stood up. The filth was knee-deep. She stepped forward, hoping to find some kind of exit. The sound of the disgust sloshing around her only got louder with every step. As she pressed onward, she found herself slowly sinking deeper and deeper into it, until it was waist-deep. She stopped and began to sob. Life was never supposed to be like this. It was not fair that this was happening to her, and words could not describe the level of fear and loneliness that currently filled her overwhelmed heart. A hand reached out of the black tar-like sludge, desperately grasping for anything it could use to climb up. Bubbles rose to the surface as whoever it was exhaled in a panic. Dorothy hesitantly extended a helping hand. She leaned back and pulled with all her strength. Out of the grime arose a near-mirror image of herself, covered in sludge and gasping for air. She was completely naked and clearly afraid. More than afraid. Terrified. She looked up at Dorothy and gave her a pitiful look. The look of a lost puppy seeking sanctuary from an impending storm. Dorothy just looked at this version of herself with no words. What do you say in a situation like this? Nothing, apparently. The doppelganger let out a loud, shrill, violent scream. As she raised her hands to her own face, her skin began bubbling and boiling, and with each pop of the flesh, the stench of rot became even stronger than before. The real Dorothy stepped back as she watched herself claw and tear at her own face, the flesh peeling away with ease, as though it was never really attached. She watched in stunned silence as this strange version of herself began bursting and mutating before her very eyes. A sharp point began poking from under the exposed muscle of her twin's forehead, a bird beak forced its way through like a bird will do when it hatches from its egg. Soon, her head was no longer her head. Instead, it was that of a large crow or raven. Large black wings burst from her back with a loud pop as the flesh tore. Her arms twisted and distorted until they formed large hairy arms, not unlike that of a monkey or an ape. Her legs broke at the joints with loud cracks as they folded backward. The beak opened up and let out a shriek of pain as a monkey's head pushed its way out, 
like an infant crowning. The beak formed a bizarre collar of sorts around the monkey's neck. It grinned at Dorothy, its maw full of razor-sharp fangs. Dorothy was too paralyzed by fear to move. She watched as the large-winged creature opened its mouth slowly, its jaw unhinged with a loud snapping sound as its lower jaw slowly fell into the slime. Dorothy broke free from her paralysis and turned to run away. The sludge became thicker and thicker the more she tried to move, until she was completely immobile. She looked back only to see the inside of the grotesque monster's mouth getting closer and closer, until it swallowed her whole. Dorothy awoke kicking and screaming, violently gasping for air, as though she had been drowning. She found that she could not move her arms, causing her to panic even more. Mister had his arms wrapped around her in an attempt to keep her from flailing about madly and hurting herself. "'Calm down! Calm down!' he said, gripping her tighter. "'It's okay. You're awake. You are awake. It's okay now. It's okay.' After several minutes of this, Dorothy was able to collect herself. Mister let go and looked at her worriedly. Am I... am I really awake now? Dorothy asked, still breathless. Am I really... awake? She looked into Mister's painted eyes, filled with worry. Yeah... You're awake, he said. You're finally awake. You've been out for three days, kicking and screaming the entire time, running around here like you were on fire. I've never seen anything like it before. Three days? Dorothy asked. Three fucking days? She was still catching her breath. I, I don't know if it felt like three days. I mean, it felt like days, like an eternity, but still only a small moment. Like when a minute feels like an hour. She rubbed her eyes in exhaustion. Let's just get the hell out of this place, she said as she grabbed her backpack and headed for the door. Thank you.